This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the, the trusted sous chef of the garden, oh, the undergardener. Trusted? The Hold on. That's you're, you're Charlie's lot. minion. Minion's Here I am. Huh? <laughs> I think that trusted is taking a lot for granted. Well, I guess maybe I overshot the mark there. Okay. Yeah. Good morning and welcome along to the Garden Show. James Patrick Dooley on the uh, other side of the glass. We keep him glassed off, you know, uh, away from the general public. And uh, he so, is the first voice you will hear when you call in. I think they call that. Quarantine him, yeah. And of course, you, Pat Franklin Proctor, my trusted or sometimes trusted minion. <laughs> Yes. Thank you very much. You're very well, welcome. Well, okay then. Uh, I better give you a reason to talk to uh, James Patrick Dooley there, our uh, uh, minion. Yes, I'll uh, stick with your, minion. I like that. Minion. Yes, four one six. He says, "Look at you. Why? Well, I mean, what? Four one six three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere else in the province, my friends, it's toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Tell James when you get a hold of him there." That if you're a first-time caller, please mention that, and then you will hear this just before you hit the airwaves. Our little bell will welcome you to the show. And to give you wings. Absolutely. So that you can fly away from this horrible winter. Oh, <laughs> man, we'll talk about that in a flash. Mantra, call early, call off, and one question per call. There you go. All right, tomorrow is Groundhog Day. Yes. So what do you think the groundhog's going to do? Uh, they're going to be out brushing your teeth. <laughs> I don't think they're going to come out. <laughs> terrible teeth. Um, no, I don't think he'll see his shadow. I think he's in under his electric blanket, and he's not coming yeah. out for a long time. I don't blame him. Uh, me neither. Puxatani Phil from Gobbler's Knob, Pennsylvania. I know. They'll keep poking and prodding until yeah. they come out, but I think Wire those groundhogs will just curl up and say, I'm not coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I would if, if I was Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I, whatever he says, I think we're in for another six weeks of this stuff. Mm, at least. Okay, update from last week. Yes. Remember we had a call right at the beginning of the show from Carrie in Richmond Hill, and she was wondering about trying to encourage monarch butterflies oh. into the area yeah. and wondering about seeds to grow milkweed, which mm-hmm. is a very important source of larval food and habitat uh, for the larvae of monarchs. And we quickly jumped in with a suggestion, and the suggestion we jumped in with was not a great one because it's an American uh, website we sent uh-huh. people to and seeds will not be shipped into Canada from that website. Right. So okay. everybody just get out your erasers and erase what we said last week. But there are many local um, uh, seed, milkweed seed suppliers. So keep your pen out and uh, keep in mind too that there's been an update. I mean, the monarch butterflies are being um, monitored, have been for the last 20 years. And this year, again, marks the lowest number of overwintering monarchs in the Mexican mountains. Wow. 
since they started monitoring. Um, we've only known about those overwintering sites for a little more than 20 years. There are 97% fewer than at their recorded height wow. and 50% less than there were last year. That's big. Yep. Yeah. So this is a huge decline uh, in the overwintering numbers. So I think Carrie's call was a, you know, was a very good Good timing, and we should yeah. all be thinking about and what can we do to support the monarchs that do get back into. It, you know, uh, if that happens Canada. to the monarch butterflies, as it has, what what other species are being affected? Oh, know? well, yeah. That in terms of the monarch yeah. decline, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. I mean, there's obviously birds that eat uh, eat these things, and there's you know, it's it's the. The food chain and the, yeah, the cycle of life. So there are definitely other things being affected. But, you know, we are, we're being affected. We're missing the monarchs as well. We t- took them for granted. I mean, they, think about it. 10, 20 years ago, you'd see monarchs oh. flitting around all over the place. Yeah. And you'd just say, oh, look at the butterfly. It was no big deal. Well, now, look, I, can't, I can count on one finger the number I saw last year. So populi- butterfly, uh, monarch butterfly populations are in crisis. And it's important that all of us think about doing whatever we can to support pollinators in general, monarch butterflies, if we can. So here are a couple of nurseries that are in Ontario that carry the seeds for milkweed and obviously can give you more information as well. One is a chorus restoration native plant nursery, a chorus spelled A-C-O-R-U-S. Uh, so info at ecology Ecology Art. Oh, that's interesting. So their actual email is ecologyart.com, but the company is Acorus Restoration Native Plants. Grow Wild, so grow-wild.com. Jack and Ginger's Native Plant Nursery, so website is native... No, it's not even a website. Yeah. Native mm-hmm. dot plants at hotmail dot com. What were you going to say? Do no, I, location at all or no? Uh, well, these this is the best none of them are in downtown it. Toronto. Okay. I'll tell yeah. you that much. <laughs> There's no not too many nurseries <laughs> in downtown Toronto. So these are seven oh fives. These are five one nines and six one threes. There's all different area codes. But honestly, of course, you can just Google Ontario milkweed seeds and you know these will come up as well uh wild canada which is a native plant nursery and ecology consulting so wildcanada.ca wild things i think Mm -hmm. you run that place don't you (laughs) wildthings.ca okay wildflower farm we know wild we've had miriam gold i'm pretty sure we've had miriam on the show haven't we miriam goldberger she owns and runs wildflowerfarm.com they are the ones that grow eco yes. Uh, yes, grass. Yes, we have. Uh, She's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so here's another one. www.monarchwatch.org. And there's great information there all about the, the count. And for how to plant a monarch-friendly garden, and lots of great information about how to make, uh, you know, the monarchs and, and many of the birds and the bees and the bugs all happy, www.naturecanada.ca. Good website, huh? All right. Yep. So I'm wondering how I... Uh, you know, maybe I'll get these posted um, on AM740 or MZ Media. Uh, the the people here will post these for us. So keep... if You know, when you're checking in maybe to listen to the podcast, you can check as well and I'll get these websites Very put up good. on the blog. I, I'm looking... <clears throat> pardon me. I'm looking at the clock and I know you've got one more thing there going uh, at well, least. want to remind you that we do have a special guest. Yes. In about 15 minutes, Terry Kennedy will be joining us. And uh, it's all about orchids. So remember, next week's The Orchid Show. We'll talk about that with Terry. And I've got some questions, emailed questions to share with Terry. And so we're going to talk all about orchids in the second half hour 
for now, just uh, one more thing to put on your calendars. This Wednesday, February 5th, Harry Young Garden, who is the brand new executive director at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, is presenting Why Gardens Matter at 7.30 p.m. on the Wednesday at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Members are free, but everybody else has to pay, so it's a good reason to become a member. All righty, Charlie. Now, as Charlie was just going on and on, I mean, uh, giving you some information, uh, <laughs> James has been busy doing his job properly, I see that. and he's glad of a whole bunch of folks to talk to. So uh, we'll be back in just a moment. To, here to AM 740, we have a little, uh, oh yeah, we got some exercising to do. Well, that's All right. right. Let me stand up for this, okay? Because there we are. Now yeah. I'm, now Why I'm is he exercising? to the ceiling. Oh, and I'm, smiling the whole time. I'm so short I'd never reach the ceiling. <laughs> okay, so the reason Frank is smiling while he's exercising yeah. is because he is pain-free. Ah, Sierra well, Sill, totally natural mineral supplement. We both take it. We are able to maintain the lifestyle that we love and don't have to cry while staying active. You may be interested to learn more at sierrasill.ca or give them a call, 1-877-JOINT-14. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. All right, Charlie, all set to uh, give some advice here to some folks. Dorothy first on the line. Hello, Dorothy. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have bought uh, an orchid plant. It's called P-H-A-L-A-E-M-P-S-I-S or something like that. Phalaenopsis, yep, or moth orchid, yep. And it came in a clay pot, Mm -hmm. but there's no holes in the bottom of the pot. And I can remember you saying Mm -hmm. something that the plant will die if there's no holes. Needs your drainage. Is it possible that there's a plastic pot inside the clay pot? I didn't see any. Okay. So you know what? We are going to address the question of how and when to transplant an orchid when Terry Kennedy joins us in about 15 minutes. And so keep listening, Dorothy, because you're going to get the best tips and techniques from Terry on how to deal with this kind of a problem. Because you want to keep that orchid alive, and you're right, you do need drainage. Yes, it it says to keep it moist. Yep, exactly. So, so keep stay. Don't stay on the line, but stay tuned, and we'll be back with uh, the absolute definitive information on orchid care in about fifteen minutes. Thanks, All right? okay. thanks, thanks Dorothy. Dorothy. Yeah, thank you. Okay, and look at this. Phyllis is a first-time caller from To. There you are. <clears throat> Your wings, Phyllis. Good morning. <laughs> morning, Phyllis. Hello, Phyllis. Hi, Charlie. <laughs> Welcome Hello. to the show. Good morning. Morning. I'm a long-time listener and a first-time caller. Uh, did you hear the bell? <laughs> you have been welcomed and awarded wings. Great, thank <laughs> you. Last week you were helping a listener with caring for her poncetia. Mm-hmm. And you gave some pruning instructions, which I missed. Mm. Well. Where was she to prune, from the center or <sighs> the outer um, Stems. So right now, is your uh, poinsettia in a six-inch pot and it's got many branches? It's like a little bush? Yes, it just started. I've had one every year, but this one has just decided it's running rampant <laughs> in my kitchen. Oh, okay. So you're thinking you want to prune it because it's starting to take over, is it? 
No, but you were saying when it was time for her, if she wanted to put it out in the mm-hmm. spring. Mm-hmm. Well, right now, is there any more red leaves on yours, or is it all green, or has it been dropping some of the leaves? It's all green. Okay. So the plants do know, even if they're not even in a window, they know that the days are getting longer. And they do respond to those longer days by starting to get very energized and putting out new growth. So knowing that whatever plant, the size of the plant is now, it's just going to get bigger from this point forward, it is appropriate to get out your little pruners or your secateurs and trim that plant back. Now, the most you would trim it back is one-third. Um, that might be more than you want to do right now. You might be just happier to just take off about an inch off of each of the little branches. Uh, let it you know, continue the care that you've been looking after. It sounds like you're doing a good job and it will start to grow some more and you know, you'll water it and fertilize it. And as the spring continues and the days get longer and you are able to take it outside when we're frost free, then you might be thinking about a little pruning at that point, a little further pruning just for shaping and considering size control because it's going to grow some more throughout the summer and you want it to be a, a size that you can handle to bring in in the fall. So is there any chance of it um, putting out red leaves in the winter? Because I don't want to be spending a lot of energy on it if it's not planning to reward me. Uh, Okay. It will not give you any red leaves this winter, but certainly it could give you red leaves next winter if you do the right thing in the fall. Thank you so much for your help. All right. And I'll tell you what, Phyllis, you keep listening. We almost always talk about the, what to do with the poinsettias in August and September. And if yes. we aren't talking about it, you call back then, and we'll talk about what to do to get your poinsettias to color up for Christmas. Thank you so much. Okay. okay. Thank Thanks you for, for joining call. the show. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you. <clears throat> and with that call, it leaves a line open, so I'll just remind you of the phone numbers, 416-360-0740 in Toronto, and then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Time is 921. We have a special guest upcoming in just about nine minutes from now, but we've got another first-time caller coming up next. We have to take a little bit of a commercial break uh, until we have a chat with Elizabeth in Grimsby, so uh, take it away. James. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Franklin Proctor, the undergardener or sous chef of the garden, uh, welcoming uh, for the first time, too, uh, June. To, no, wait a minute. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. That's right. Elizabeth. Hey, good morning. morning. <laughs> I'm hey. a first-time caller, too, and a long-time listener. You're a wonderful duo. Oh, well, thank you. Thank Just a minute. You. i got to get your bell here. <laughs> there we are. Welcome to the show. <laughs> well, here's my problem, Charlie. I mm. bought a lovely pot of Oriental lilies before Christmas mm. live. They were exquisite. I'd like to keep the bulbs and put them in my garden. What do I do? Good idea. Well, right now the flowers are done, I would assume. Yes. And you've uh, pruned off where those flowers were at the top of the plants. Uh But you should still have green stalks and green leaves standing in the pot. Oh. Whoa. Did you cut them down? (laughs) Well, halfway down. (laughs) Okay. So the trick is to 
with any bulb plant, whether it's lilies or um, sort of so many examples, you know, tulips and daffodils that we end up with, always remember that we want the bulb to fatten up Mm -hmm. after it's flowered. And it does that by photosynthesizing through its leaves Mm -hmm. the energy you know, converting the sun into the energy to fatten up the bulb. Mm -hmm. So you want to maximize the photosynthesis by maximizing the amount of foliage that's available to the sun. Okay. Okay. So you cut it halfway down, whatever, as long as you still got some green. That's the main thing. Okay. So treat them as a houseplant. Leave the pot in a sunny location in your window somewhere. Turn it because it'll start to lean, you know, every couple of days. Turn it 180 degrees. Okay. Water when it dries out. Okay. So you don't want it. You're not going to go to the the dry point of like a a cactus, you know, wasteland. But do allow the soil to get quite dry to the touch, Uh but still have a little bit of a spring to it. So there's a little bit of, you know, it's not just like I say, like a desert. It's got a little bit of tiny bit of moisture in there. And then water thoroughly. When you get to that point, water will drain through into the saucer below. Let that soil become saturated. Dump out the saucer. And uh, again, leave it in that sunny spot. You're going to do that. Uh, You're going to find that it's going to use less and less water. So you're going to water less and less. Always feel the soil before you water. Okay. Okay? And eventually, it's going to start to turn yellow. And you're going to say, oh my gosh, I've done something wrong. Uh No. It's naturally just going to slow down and go dormant and turn completely yellow and when that happens it'll probably be not a month or even two from now okay so we're you know february march so by april it's probably all turning yellow so you're not watering it anymore at that point you allow it to turn yellow yeah by may yeah i mean you're in grimsby you're in you know, banana belt part of ontario so by may Best you're garden ever you're yeah you're good to go <laughs> to plant it outside okay right and and in a perfect world it'll come up for you this summer okay. right that's what you want okay and is there anything i can with them when I'm planting them. I love them around the pool in the summer. Mm. And uh, the squirrels like to eat them. Oh, little, little devils. Little devils. <laughs> devils is better. <laughs> <laughs> um, the um, Keeping the squirrels away. Yes. Oh, let's think. There's so many different sort of kind of squirrel controls. You don't have a dog, obviously. Yes, I do. Oh, you do? Pomeranian. Oh. But I also found hot pepper flakes to be good with tulip bulbs. Temporarily, until it you know oh, pours rain and, okay. and it washes away. Um, I'm just trying to think. Okay, so um, we're, I haven't had the squirrel question in a while, so I don't have any good squirrel. Okay, so they want to dig up. Honestly, one of my best best ways to keep mm-hmm. squirrels from digging in my garden has been to go to the dollar store, buy a bag of forks, okay, bring them home. Yeah. You can break the handles off or okay. depending on the depth and, you know, niceness of friability of your soil, mm-hmm. stick those forks into the soil, handles first, mm-hmm. tines up, yeah. down so that the tines oh. are just under the ground. Oh, you're so clever. Lots of them, right? Okay. All around. Well, so when they try and dig, they can't. All they do is run into all those little plastic forks. Okay, thanks for <laughs> Okay, good luck with that. Thanks, Bye-bye Elizabeth. Then. <laughs> okay, thanks for joining our show and being a first-time caller as yeah. well. And we're approaching the half hour. We do have time, I do believe, for uh, one more call. If we go really fast. All oh, right. Okay. So let's see how fast June can talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's me probably more than Well, June. I guess. Yes. Uh, Don't pruning, say pruning cedars. <laughs> that's what's, uh, what June has on her mind, I do believe. Hi, June. Um, good morning to you, happy pair. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Morning to you. I wonder if you can just give me some uh, information. <laughs> I have two big cedars in front of my front window and a big uh, juniper that have been there for years and they've almost grown into like trees well Mm -hmm. right now they're just about 
meeting, and they're going to close the window off, and I wondered if you could tell me how early in the spring we could prune them. I uh, trimmed them down, like, sort of. How long do you think they've been there? Oh, they've been there maybe about 15 years. Hmm. And they're they've really... Really, really nearly five feet high, like, you know? Oh, okay. And now they're getting so bushy, they're sort of coming together and closing the yeah. window off. So just a couple of things to say quickly here. One is, uh, number one, have they ever been fertilized? Sorry, uh, pruned in the last 15 years? Yes, once. Oh, oh once. Okay. So here, take notes. Number one... Not a problem to plant cedars and junipers and things like that near our homes, but we must prune them annually, every annually. single oh. year. We shear them every year. I that see. way they stay dense and compact and good-looking. Yeah. When you when you leave them alone and neglect them, they get overgrown and gnarly, and they've well, got bad shapes going on, and then ice storms knock them over. That's what's happening now. That's no. right. Yes. So your, the rule of thumb for you with these cedars, there's two things. One is you can get pruned. Pruning them in you. Where are you calling from? Toronto. Toronto. So you can get pruning them in June. June. When they Not are. June. That's correct. Okay. When they are actively growing, when you're seeing new growth, okay. you get out your Edward scissor hand blades and you right. shear them. Right. Okay. So that can happen. However, 15-year-old evergreens around the foundation of the home are pretty much at the end of doing you any favors. Wow. So keep in mind that just like we put new paint in our dining rooms every 10 years or so, we right. put new plants around our homes every 15 to 20 years oh, because they, if they get overgrown, yes, your house starts looking like a dollhouse. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Okay. Okay, thanks, thanks for, for your call, June. All right, bye-bye. Have bye. a great weekend, June, and thank you for listening to AM740 Zoomer Radio, where it is now 9.30 and time to... Say hello to a special guest. I want to introduce you, Frank, to Terry Kennedy. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. Hi, Terry. Welcome to the show. I just want to give our listeners and Frank a little background on on the bio that Terry sent me. She is, of course, representing the Southern Ontario Orchid Society. uh, But most of all, she is here to share with us her passion about orchids and her dedication to spreading the orchid addiction that she and her husband have been suffering from for a number of years. (laughs) Almost 40. Can you imagine? So tell Frank the story about the col- when you started collecting orchids when you lived in Thornhill. Well, one, one March day, which we are all hoping for right now, mm-hmm. you know, when the sun comes out and it's just that warm that you just can't stay in the house, mm-hmm. we took uh, a drive down to Edwards Gardens. I was new to, to Toronto. My husband grew up in, in Toronto, so he took me to Edwards Gardens. Mm-hmm. And there was an orchid meeting going on. Mm-hmm. And we walked into that meeting. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a show table where people had brought in. It was a very small club at that time, only about 50 or 60 members. They all knew each other very well, and they'd brought in their plants to, for, for everybody to share. Mm-hmm. And we t- Doug took one look at that, and that was it. You were hooked. We were hooked. Huh. And so most of our life has, has been, uh, you know, around... Uh, Collecting, orchids. yeah. Uh, we have a family, and, and they became... <laughs> part of that That's orchid right. family part because of- they had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> so when you went to orchid shows, the kids got dragged along. Oh, yeah. You know, when we used to do, when we were doing displays, because or- with orchids, they don't get just put on a table. Mm-hmm. You actually do displays mm-hmm. and everything. So we'd, we'd bring along the playpen, put the kid in the playpen, I'd work on the display, and then we'd enjoy the rest of the weekend. Wow. Yeah. And since then, you've not only become a you know, passionate collector and an avid you know, orchid grower, you have a business. 
Yes, orchids and our tropics. It's mm-hmm. our hobby gone wild. I know, I love that. That's the theme, our hobby gone wild. Well, I'm told, Terry, that you actually outgrew your house because of the orchids and moved to a larger home. That's right. We <laughs> moved up to a Van Dorf because we just, it was either, you know, either that or, or you know, dome the uh, backyard and, and, you know, our yes. neighbors wouldn't have liked that. Put another story on the house <laughs> just to fit all the orchids. So, but, so that is where you have like a nice big greenhouse there. Yeah, we have about 1,100 square feet under glass, mm-hmm. which is very, wow. very full. Mm, it is, And eh? everybody comes in there, well, when are you building the next greenhouse? And we keep saying, no, this is enough work. Enough, enough. So you have a website, orchidsinourtropics.com. Right. You're open for retail customers by appointment. Yes. Okay. And obviously, you mentioned to me as well, you do a lot of speaking. You go out to clubs and groups. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know your subject because we have several people who are on the line now who want to talk to you. And a caller, I'm not sure if you heard the first caller right off the top, had an orchid question. Well, everybody has questions about orchids. Everybody loves orchids. I know. And I have a couple of emails of people with orchid questions. So um, just before we get, I just want to see, is there anything else you wanted to say? Okay, let's get into some basic orchid care. And hopefully everybody who's listening has a pen and paper or is prepared to go back and listen, re-listen to this podcast and, uh, and get these, these you know, important points down. So, number one, what's the first question that everybody asks about orchids? Uh, how much light do they need? Okay, and that's going to depend on the kind of orchid, right? Yeah, that depends. It depends on, you see, with orchids, they grow all over the world mm-hmm. in every possible kind of situation, mm-hmm. except they haven't been found in Antarctica. I'm not going to say they don't grow there, but they haven't been found in Antarctica. Have they been but, found in the Arctic? Uh, up in the Yukon. Yeah, they have. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's some, uh, Canada has 90 different species of orchids. Cool. So, and they, but they're terrestrial. They don't grow in the trees. They grow on the ground. Right. And they're actually very, very, very difficult to to transplant. But you can find them in every province. Mm. So, there. It depends on what you're growing. Mm. Most people, when they start out, of mm. course, they start out with the Phalaenopsis that are ubiquitous now. Yes, yeah, right. So that was our caller Dorothy called with a Phalaenopsis or moth orchid. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about those because you're absolutely right. Chances are, if somebody's got an orchid, a beginner, that's what they've got. Yeah. So, so what, what light levels do the Phalaenopsis or moth orchids require? Okay, they require light like a, uh, an African violet. Mm. Diffuse light, sort of a, an east window is really good, even a north window. It's just, they, and the thing is that when they're in flower, they can actually be, be a little bit further from the window and still the flowers will stay out because that's the way most people get, get the plants. Mm-hmm. But then once the flowers are finished and they want to rebloom it, then you have to give them a little bit more light. Uh, you want to water them thoroughly when mm-hmm. they need water. Mm-hmm. You want to feed them every couple of weeks with a very light solution of fertilizer. Mm-hmm. But, uh, usually a balanced one, like 20, 20, 20, 15, 15, 15. Not a special orchid fertilizer? Well, you know, if you go into a nursery, there's a whole wall of, of fertilizer. Specialty fertilizer, yep. And they have uh, a different flower on each on each box. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we really don't, but the formulation is usually pretty much the exactly. same. Exactly. <laughs> so if you have one, mm-hmm. you can just use the one. Okay. And, but for orchids, probably use it at quarter strength or half strength. Okay. And every two weeks or so. Every two weeks or so, yeah. But not year-round, or would you? Uh, not sort of, um, another couple of weeks, and I think you can start fertilizing. But usually in December, late November, December, you know, when you're busy with Christmas and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you, can, you can sort of just give them some water when they need it, and, and that's, that's fine. And okay. that's about it. 
Go back to watering, though. You said water thoroughly when they need to be watered. So how do we know when they need to be watered, and how do you recommend a thorough watering? Uh, because remember, there's that ice cube question yeah, yeah, that comes up. Yeah, we won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everybody why you hate the idea of putting ice cubes on orchids. Well, how would you like to have ice cubes put on your toes every Sunday morning? I would hate it. Yeah. <laughs> really? And so would everybody. I have. I know nobody who would like that. You listening to that, Frank? I am. I am. And <laughs> I just think your defense is great <laughs> on oh, behalf I, of the I orchids. I have a whole list here. That, I love the uh, analogy. Actually, a friend of mine wrote uh, it, it called, called a book called The Hor- uh, Orchid Whisperer. And oh, yeah. he has a full page point uh, points of why you shouldn't or water your orchids with with ice cubes. Oh, really? Not just the cold, but a hundred other reasons. Well, there's all kinds of other reasons. You see, plants, uh, orchids, uh, Philanopsis orchids, at least their their ancestors that actually grew in the jungle, mm-hmm. they grow on trees. Mm-hmm. So all their roots are exposed. Right. Okay. So they they get air around their roots. Right. And uh, the medium that they're usually potted in is. Um, the, the trouble is that to grow them at the same level, the growers have developed methods where they're really overpo- uh, um, overstuffing the pots. Right. There's not much air. But there are still little air pockets, and the roots want those air pockets. And But the air, they need the carbon dioxide that it's in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when in a room, you, you if you close everything off, it gets really stuffy. Stuffy, exactly. Well, those little air pockets get stuffy. Right. So what you want to do is fill the pot with water and then let it drain off. So that pushes the old air in and pu- pulls new air in. Yeah, it pushes the old air out. Yeah, out. And, it, and then it water fills all those spaces. Then when you drain the pot in your sink or wherever, now all of a sudden there's new air that fills those spaces that's between right. the chunks of wood or whatever the yeah. particles are it's potted into. That's I right. think that's brilliant. And I, I, I know you're absolutely correct. Remember, I, Frank's yes. got this look on his face, but I was, I've told people about how my brother is really good with orchids, and his thing is he's got this Ziploc bag, and he pulls it out, and he fills it up with water, and he sticks his orchid into the Ziploc bag until it goes right down under the water, and all the air bubbles come out, and then he pulls the plant out of the Ziploc bag and lets it sit in the sink for whatever, 15, 20 minutes while it drains out, and his orchids are so happy. That's right, because they get they get all that nice fresh air around the roots, mm-hmm. and th- that air in there is really moist, mm-hmm. so the, the the orchids just thrive. And and that's the ones that were naturally evolved to live up in the trees. Mm-hmm. They never lived in soil. No, not down in, soil. in the ground. Now there is the exception, mm-hmm. uh, and people will bring me plants and say, "But I've been growing this in in soil for three years." Mm-hmm. But, th- but that's the exception. Right. The exception that proves the rule. Yeah, that's that thing about gardening. There's always an exception. <laughs> There's no really you good, know about that. no solid rules we can tell people that they can totally live by. All right, so, um, okay, so you know what? We have a really wonderful idea here, and that is that we're going to ask you, if it's all right with you, Terry, to stay on the line for the next 20 minutes. Okay. I'm going to read you some email. We've also got some callers who have some orchid questions, and we're just going to go for a quick break now. But if you'll stay with us, we're going to devote the rest of the show to orchids. Oh, fantastic. Wonderful. That's so great. stand by. Okay, we'll be back in just moments here on AM740 Charlie Dobbins Garden Show. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And let's welcome Marilyn to the show from Oshawa, our first orchid questioner. (laughs) Hi, good morning, Marilyn. Good morning. Morning. Yes, 
I'm calling about, I got my orchid, it was um, about a year ago, and it was a nice orchid. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just said to give it the ice cubes, which I didn't know you don't agree with. Uh-huh. But I've been doing just the ice cubes, and right now it's in the second flowering, mm-hmm. and it's got eight beautiful buds on it. Okay. But I don't know how often I should fertilize it. All right. Well, uh, Terry, did you want to repeat your information about using balanced fertilizers? Well, uh, you should be fertilizing every couple of weeks. Like every uh, other, like all of our plants, they want a little bit of fer- fertilizer. Orchids don't need a lot of fertilizer, but but they do need some. So if you use, if you have got a, uh, an African violet fertilizer or any fer- house fertilizer, yeah, I'm just doing an all uh, an all purpose fertilizer right yeah. now. Okay, and if it ha- if you look on the box, if there's a formulation for orchids. Use that. Otherwise, use use it at quarter strength. What you give your other plants. So even though it's in bloom, do I still keep giving it fertilizer? Well, you know, the, the thing is that when a plant is in bloom, it's really expending a lot of energy to keep those blooms on there. And yeah. you know they stay on for a long time. So they feeding do. even during uh, during the blooming is very important. That's true. So how big do the leaves get? Because these leaves are well, three times the size where when I got it. Wow, you're really doing well. Uh, the more leaves you have, the more flowers you're going to have. They they will get. Um, is, what color is your your orchid? It's a, per, a mauvey color, like a pink color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, they will get to be uh, oh about two feet across. Wow. I'm not getting a lot more of these, but they're just getting bigger and bigger. That's great. Yeah. Wow. It, it, they, they, uh, how many leaves do you have? Pardon? How many leaves? Uh, about seven. Very good. So maybe next year, see, if you were uh, for, uh, watering it and fertilizing it with a plant that size, you should have at least two uh, stems of flowers. Oh, okay. So if you give it some food and try watering it in a way that would, you know, sort of re- uh, replace that stale air in your, in your potting medium, Great. I think you're going to have a lot more flowers. But you're doing oh, okay. it right. Thanks right. very much. Thanks for your call, Marilyn. Okay, bye. Wow, that's great. That is great. All right, we've got one more orchid color on the line. Which leaves a line open right now, so I'll... And, and then we, we also have some email questions, yep. okay. and we want to go back to, what, remember, what Dorothy asked as well. Exactly. All right. uh, I'll give the phone numbers before we get to our next caller, 416-360-0740, and anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 740 Four seven forty, and hey, we have a first timer on the uh, line right now, Billy from Etobicoke. There you are, Billy. Morning. Good morning. Welcome, Billy. Welcome. How are you? Great. Great. What's going on with your orchids? Um, I've had it for a couple months, and it's completely dead. And I put it downstairs because a friend said it's kind of like a tulip bulb that don't throw it out. You know, even though it's completely dead, I can now bring it back to life. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Like, how could I? It's so, one of those orchids that it lives in, you know, in the kind of um, barky stuff. That's right. Terry, do you have a thought on this? Okay. What do you mean by dead? Does it have leaves on it? Does no, it no, it's, it's dried. Like if it's, you dried parsley or something or rosemary, oh. like it, it's been downstairs. Okay. No green, well, no I'm, no, I'm afraid no that you're no. going to have to say, um, you, know, you can't resurrect plants. Compost. Uh, compost. <laughs> compost. Because uh, orchids actually grow all year round. Remember, they come from the tropics. Okay. So they keep growing. So when they finish flowering, you want to just keep watering, keep fertilizing, uh, you know, uh, just like other house plants. And then when it's ready, it'll flower again. But if you put it downstairs and dry it out to parchment, um, (laughs) that's it. And some orchids actually have storage bulbs 
or storage uh, sort of stems that are have store, water storage areas, and mm-hmm. they'll take some dryness. But Phalaenopsis don't even have that. Oh, okay. And so uh, I think it, this is Valentine's. There's lots of them around. And mm. come to the show and get yourself a new one. And when you go to, say, if I want to move it to a bigger pot, because it usually comes in that tiny pot, mm-hmm. um, do I put it um, like a moss orchid into earth, or do I keep Mm-mm. it with that bark? You want to use the bark, although you do replace the bark. You don't reuse the stuff that you have in there. Okay. Um, there's not a lot of places available to buy uh, orchid bark or sphagnum, another thing that you can use, if, depending on how you water. Well, this and, gentleman, sorry to interrupt here, he's calling from Etobicoke, and I bet you Plant World carries orchid bark. Uh, I Probably they would. Plant World? Some Plant World Sheridan, on... Actually, some of the Sheridan stores do, too. That's right. And Plant World, Eglinton, and Keel, I think. Oh, great. Yeah, but uh, get the orchid bark, mm-hmm. or for if you're a waterer, uh, because... Orchid bark is drier than mm-hmm. sphagnum moss. Okay. So what you want to do is have a mixture where you keep a little bit of moisture around the roots of the plant. And, and then when you repot, it, sorry, don't make me. the pot too big. Does it also help um, to put like a live moss? The, the, the live moss won't stay uh, live. And the okay. moss that we have, you, you're talking about the sheep moss that you find yes. in grass and stuff? Yes. Uh, that's not probably the best thing, unless you want to just keep it over the top just to keep the humidity in. Mm-hmm. But it's well, also going to pretty. <laughs> but it's going to block that air exchange we had talked about. Yeah, it, somewhat, but it will keep the humidity in yeah, there, yeah. and the, the live moss will not stay live. Right. It only turns green when you water, basically. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, so so great. Well, thank you very much for your call, Billy. Thank you. And you know what this is going to lead into, Terry, is the question of this transplanting question. So you, you sort of address the idea of the medium, so the bark or the moss, but then can you talk a little bit about pots? Because we did have a caller early, earlier in the show before you were with us who said her orchid's growing in a clay pot that has no holes, and she doesn't believe that there's a plastic pot down inside there. What do you think? Well, um, having seen what... The, the way they're being sold, I, I think there is a, p- a pot. You just can't see it because it's a very thin. It's it's not a pot that we think of. These plants come in these. Uh, basically, they're very thin, almost clear, semi-clear uh, plastic sleeves, and that's what the plant is in. If she gives it a tug, the whole thing will come out. Yeah. So uh, but you the, figure there's something in there, right? Yeah. And the the trouble with those is that uh, you. You need to have drainage because, as we said, we need the, air, the mm-hmm. water to go right through the pot. Mm-hmm. Now, it is a good thing to, uh, and the pots should often have the what we call orchid pots often have drainage along the side of the pot. Yeah, extra holes. Yeah, so you right. get more air around the roots. Right. Now, one of the really good things to do is is to put them in a sort of uh, a little bit larger pot. Mm-hmm. so that you can put a little bit of water in the bottom and maybe a peanut butter lid or, or some stones or something and have some water in the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that sort of acts as a humidity tray mm-hmm. for the, for the uh, orchids, and that helps to uh, encourage them to be really healthy. I'm a big fan of pebble trays. So yes. it's, it's actually something that's bigger than the pot, mm-hmm. sits below whatever it is, a potted tropical plant of any kind, whether it's an orchid or, a, uh, you know, anything. And there's pebbles in the tray, there's water in the pebbles, and the plant is sitting on top of the pebbles. Yeah, you constant know, evaporation. It, 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 I mean, you could piece, use pieces of wood or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I use my, you know, the shells that you pick up on the beach mm-hmm. that you can't, can't leave behind, you bring home, and then you wonder what you're going to do? That. That's right. I, yep. put, I put them in my, my 
instead of pebble trace, I have shell trace. Mm, good idea. And prettier than pebbles. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's another question. And this is going to go to the roots of the root question. Okay. Because <laughs> I know you've heard this one. Uh, so this is an email from Myrna Knights. And she says, Charlie, I called you a couple of months ago. I had six orchid plants and only one was growing a stem and flowers. You gave me advice, which I followed, and four are flowering. Thank you very much. My question and my hairdresser's wife question have the same <laughs> question. Can we cut off all these roots that are growing like weeds? Will this kill the plant? What do you think? Well, the, more, the reason that they're flowering is because they have such good roots. Mm-hmm. And if you lose your roots, you'll lose your, you won't have any flowers and you'll lose your leaves. I know. So the more roots you have, the better. That's right. And, and, that, and that's the funny thing. Like, we got to remember, and I hope everybody who's listening, you know, mark this down. The roots on an orchid that naturally grows up in the trees are not designed to be covered by soil. They're not designed to be under the ground. They are designed to be out in the air because they are actually absorbing nitrogen and carbon and oxygen Those from are the natural the nutrients air. for the They will have people to synthesize. That's right. And they're green as well. That's yeah, right. Because if you spray those roots, uh, they'll turn green immediately. Right and as long as they're turning green, they're very healthy. Now, if they're, some of them are, are sort of spongy and you know, dried up looking, right. they can all be trimmed. Trim those out. But, right. um, but if you spray them and they turn green and they have nice little green tips that look like little heads of little worms or something. That's right. Like they're really growing right before your very eyes. Yeah. They're very and, vibrant. And, they're, and that really shows the health of the plant and how good the, the, uh, the, the environment is for that plant. Right. So all good points. Okay, Terry, we've got to hold while we just head off to one more break. And then we're going to come back. We've got another caller, two callers on the line, if we see if we can fit them in. Okay. Thank you. All right. Hold tight. We'll be back in just moments here on AM740, The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Just uh, before we get back to our callers, Charlie, I just wanted to make mention of the Southern Ontario Orchid Society Orchid Show, Mm -hmm. which is coming up next weekend, Saturday and Sunday, the 8th and 9th. And it's uh, all taking place at Toronto Botanical Garden, 777 Lawrence Avenue East. Uh, the hours from uh, all Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, that's handheld cameras only, and uh, general admission 12 bucks. But you're going to have a wonderful time there. And if you have special photography, uh, you can get in at nine to 11 to take uh, uh, those photos on Sunday. But note that Terry, who's with us right now, yeah. is there at the show along with a whole bunch of other orchid experts. All right. Uh, Terry's there with a little booth. Orchids in our tropics is her retail, okay. her and her husband, her family. So there's orchids for sale, there's expertise, there's speakers, and there's amazing displays. So I can tell by our calls we've got some keen orchid people. Absolutely. In fact, we have a caller online, Angela from Brampton, mm-hmm. who called last week. That's so right. she was kind enough to hang tight with that question and uh, be with us now. Hi. Hey, Angela. Oh, hi, Frank. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Good yeah, morning. Hi, Charlie. Good morning, Angela. So morning. it's great that you've called back because Terry is on the line. And she, will you ask your question again that you okay. asked last week that I couldn't help you with? Okay. Hi, Terry. Good hi. morning. Hi, Angela. How are you doing? Not too bad. Thank you. I have an orchid where the center, you know, the leaves mm-hmm. have all fallen out. But the two storks are still there. On one of the storks, a, a, a bloom has come out, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And on the other one, a little tiny bloom also has come out. Mm-hmm. But I don't know whether I should transplant it and or I should just leave it. And at the top of it, it's brown. And at the bottom, it looks brown, but it could be green and just brown on the outside. I'm not sure. You're talking about stems that, that, that originally were in flower when you got the plant? That is correct. Okay, so you got an, another flower from each one? On each stem. Okay. It, 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 no, not, not flowers. It's, it's like an, an, uh, an orchid shooting out from it. Oh, a little, uh, a baby orchid. A baby orchid on oh. both sides. Okay, uh-huh. so that we call a kiki. That, that is a baby orchid. Uh-huh. And uh, probably what it's doing, it's trying to res- rescue itself. Mm-hmm. You see, probably you, you, well, something happened. It could have been chilled. If you chill a phalaenopsis, it'll drop its leaves immediately. So um, it probably got chilled or something happened and the roots aren't aren't very good so the plant is trying to rescue itself so it's got it started a new little plant now if you keep that going i wouldn't repot it i wouldn't disturb it at this point and just mist the 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 little plants that are growing you could even wrap a little bit of sphagnum moss just around the bottom of it and sort of fasten it to there so it could get some roots and then you'll have two new little plants but that, that takes patience. It won't be long, two or three months, and you can take them off. But right now, I would just try to keep it going as it's going. Cause, and then going you'll have as two it little is. babies. But then when it does shoot its roots, do I cut it and then, then you cut it? it? And you, uh, I would pot it up in, in, uh, in the tiny pot of sphagnum so it could grow. And um, it'll bloom probably within the year at least, uh, or even two years. But certainly within two years, it'll bloom for you. It can even bloom. See, if it was a health, some healthy plants do that, where they make little plants on the stems, uh-huh. and they will actually bloom um, on the stick. So you have the stick coming up with the flowers, and then you have this little plant, and it has a little little stem with little flowers. Uh huh. But if but if you can keep it going and get some roots on those plantlets, you'll have new pl- uh, new orchid plants. Any kind of moss I could use. Uh, you can you probably get, get the long strand stuff. You uh, probably. Um, Orchid moss tends to be expensive, and you buy it in a 500-gram sort of, or 150-gram block. But if you have some moss um, (laughs) that you use for lining baskets, you can use a little bit of that. Yeah, which is sphagnum moss. Yeah, but you you need sphagnum moss. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Thank you so much for figuring that out, Terry, and thanks for calling (laughs) again, Angela. I I have another one, and all it's doing is blooming... Green leaves and nothing else. No oh, stems, no I'd nothing. say give it a chance. It'll yep. it'll flower eventually. And you've got some great advice on this one because you know what, Angela, we do have to go to one more caller and we've got two minutes left. Okay, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sawyer. All right, much. Terry, this is going to be a quick one. We've got Marie on the line. First time caller. Welcome there. to the show. <laughs> All right. Hello. Hi, Marie. Marie. What's going on? Um, I know it's almost the end of the show. I just wanted, would like to know the proper way of watering the orchid. Okay, there you go, Terry. In okay. a nutshell. Okay, basically you want to flood the pot. So either pour enough water that it, the pot, it overflows the top of the pot or get a container and put the whole pot in so it covers the pot, then pull it out and let all that water uh, drain out. And no I don't have what I do, I soak it for 20 minutes, and that's no good. No, because these are air plants. How long can you hold your breath? <laughs> okay, makes no, makes no. The more She's I listen, good, eh? That Terry is good. <laughs> so cover completely to the to, with the water uh, to the top over the over the over bar. the edges, yeah. And then drain immediately once the air bubbles have all escaped. And how how often? 
uh, when it needs it. What you do is put a put a, a stick down or a label down the side of the pot, and when the when the and you pull it when you pull it out, you can tell how far that there's moisture in the pot. Once it's it's like three quarters dry, three quarters of the pot is dry. Do it again. Thank you very very much. Well done. Thank you, Marie. And thank you, Terry. You've been amazing. I think, you know, you need we need an orchid show. I love that's... your analogies. <laughs> How would you like ice on your feet every morning? <laughs> How long can you hold your breath? Yeah. Good well, stuff, you know, Terry. You, you have to relate these things. I Why know. Like people. I can tell you've been doing this for 40 years. <laughs> well, judging from your past history, I expect the next time we have you on the show, you and your husband will be living in a warehouse. No, uh, no, 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 so... no, no, no. We're, we're not moving again. I like this place. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. Wonderful. Thanks so much for doing this, Terry. We hope to see you next weekend at the big event at Toronto Botanical Gardens, both Saturday and Sunday. I look forward to seeing you both there. All righty. Nice care. to have Have you. a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was funny. Well, that was great. Boy, was she knowledgeable. You were right, you know, saying this gal knows everything about it. I told you, we could just go have a little nap in the corner. (laughs) You know, Terry could handle the callers, and we could just have a little nap. So, yeah, so that was great. And maybe we need to do that more often. We clearly have quite a few orchid people who have pretty basic, you know, questions. If you have more, you know, detailed questions, go to the show on next Saturday. And in the meantime, exactly. thank you much, so much, Frank. Hey, pleasure always, and Charlie. James, thank you for all your great help. Thanks to all our great callers. There would be no show without these great callers. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.